the business savvy singer. Hey there. And welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer podcast, brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to season two of the Business Savvy Singer podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. We are speaking with bassist, vocalist, Jim Ferguson. I had the pleasure of meeting Jim at the National Convention of the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. He is from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, he's quite a big deal down there in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a wonderful singer, a wonderful player. We are delighted to have him with us today. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hi, Greta. Nice to be with you. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you could make the time for us. Uh, Of course, we're on the phone with you, and I've had the pleasure of going to your website and just hearing some uh, some audio clips, reading some information about you, and uh, I just uh, am am so impressed with your musicality and your voice. It's absolutely fantastic. Give us a little bit of information about how you got started, some of the kinds of things that, that you've done. Uh, I, I was reading on your website that you uh, regularly go out on the road with uh, country artist Crystal Gale. Well, I, I did that for 12 years. I, I haven't uh, worked steadily with her since 2002. I still do some recording with her occasionally, and, and she's still pretty active. Uh, but uh, mostly these days, I'm I'm just around Nashville teaching and playing recording sessions, and and uh, I have a luthier shop, repairing string bases, do a little bit of everything, and then I, I do some road work these days, mostly as a jazz musician. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, you were telling me uh, that you're going to be working on a solo album. Tell us about that. Well, I've always wanted to, to uh, do a complete project of, of just bass and voice. And uh, I've done some tracks on my recordings uh, that way. And, uh, and then I've done quite a bit of performance live, just bass and voice. But, uh, but I've never done a complete project of it. So I have occasionally I've done a concert that way, uh, just you know mostly shared stage kind of concerts where I would do thirty minutes or so. But pulling off a complete album of just bass and voice, I think is going to be an interesting challenge for me to uh, to keep the material fresh and and, uh, and I want to do a lot of things from the American book, uh, you know the, the standards uh, composers from Broadway and the movies and. And then a few of my own original things that tend to be sort of 
along the lines of uh, my influences, Mose Allison and uh, and Dave Frischberg and and, uh, and those kinds of, of uh, songwriters. Well, I think that is just fantastic. I was telling you earlier that I, I'm so, you know, I, I'm an old violin player. And there's something about a string instrument uh, that really influences a vocalist's style, uh, singing style, their, their whole approach to music. And I hear that so clearly and vividly in your music. You know, y- your intonation is perfect. Your approach to the song is just, it's just really, really exceptional. So I think you're going to have a great deal of success with, with the bass vocal solo album project. Well, thanks. I, you know, I kind of, I'm not sure if it's particularly musically speaking. I, I, uh, I was a singer first, so I always feel like the singing informs my bass playing. And, and, uh, but then, then I always feel like as an instrumentalist that, that, uh, that I'm trying to imitate the sound of the of a, a human voice, and I'm trying to mimic the, the phrasing and the language of, of, uh, of all the uh, all the tools of of, of language that singers mm-hmm. are able to use. The, you know, the rhythm, the dynamics, the, the pitch variation, and so forth. As an instrumentalist improvising, I'm trying to imitate uh, the speech. You know, in the same way that Louis Armstrong, when he played the trumpet, mm-hmm. you get the feeling that he never stops thinking about words when he goes from singing a, a song to, to playing his trumpet. You still hear those those tools of language in his playing that uh, I think people just subliminally recognize. I, I think you're right. I had not really thought of it in that way before, but I think I think you're right. I mean, there you know the the great instrumental soloists. Uh, I think do think in terms of language because they're they're reaching out and they are touching their audience in the same way that a singer would. Sure, and, and I think that it's more obvious when you have a, a player who also sings like Louis Armstrong or or one of his uh, you know uh, his his biggest influence was perhaps on uh, you know, Clark Perry, the mm-hmm. wonderful bebop trumpet player who also sang. Uh, still sings, uh, you know, he's got a character he calls Mr. Mumbles, and when, when Clark sings, he, he makes up these long stories with about half uh, real words and half nonsense syllables. <laughs> that is great. Mr. M- Mr. Mumbles is, is usually trying to talk to some young lady about <laughs> going down to the park or something like that, and and uh, he just makes up these elaborate stories, and even though half of it's nonsense syllables, you still know exactly what he's getting at, and, and then he picks up the trumpet and Fantastic. That is fantastic. Jim talks about his relationship with and his admiration for Mundell Lowe. Mundell Lowe was a wonderful jazz guitarist, very well known, uh, certainly in the Nashville area, and Jim had many occasions to work with him. Since the interview, Mundell Lowe has passed away. Uh, But this is just an incredible part of Jim Ferguson's life. Listen. Um, Now, you had talked also to me about the possibility of doing a live recording in a concert situation. Um, And uh, you've been working with Mundell Lowe. Give us a little bit of information about him. I find him quite fascinating. 
Uh, Mundell is, is a, one of the true treasures of, of jazz music, still uh, still out there working quite regularly. He's 87 years old. He uh, he started out uh, in Lowell, Mississippi, you know, was, was his hometown. And uh, he actually ran away from home to Nashville, Tennessee for a short period of time. And his dad, who was a, uh, quite, quite a, a conservative church kind of a guy, uh, I mean, he was a guitar player, I think, but he, his dad came and got him. I love it. I told him many times that was probably his salvation. He would have, <laughs> he would have ended up, uh, you know, playing in a country band on the road for the rest of his life. But uh, which, I mean, there are worse things to happen to you. But, but <laughs> is certainly a special jazz guitarist and uh, and musician. He he ended up in New York. He took Johnny Smith's place when Johnny left New York and and. Uh, in the television orchestra there and uh, uh-huh. worked the, the Arthur Godfrey show and did all kinds of things. And, and then uh, he went out to L.A. and was at a cocktail party and Jackie Cooper asked him if he was interested in writing movie music. And so he ended up writing movie music for six for, for a number of years, I guess uh, 26 years, I think. Wow, that's fantastic. Writing, writing movie music in Hollywood and... and and then he, he finally decided he wanted to go back to his first love, which was playing. Ended up in San Diego now, and uh, he still goes back to L.A. and does does quite a bit of writing. But he's he's touring and going to Europe two or three times a year and uh, wow. in and out. But he but he has a history with Miles Davis, with history with Charlie Parker and wow. Billy Taylor and Charles Mingus and all all you know all the way back to some of our real heroes of the music. So. Uh, yeah. It's quite a pleasure to work with him, and, and he's so young at heart. It's 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 an easygoing, or you know, uh, uh, adventure to be out with Mandelo, even at his age. You know, That's fantastic. I bet he is. I bet he is very hard to keep up with. So you've been working with him uh, in a duo situation. Yeah, we have one recording out. It's uh, called Haunted Heart. That's the title track of the, the wonderful author. Uh, um, um, Arthur Schwartz and Howard Dietz too. Okay. Haunted Heart is the title track, and uh, it's available on CD Baby. And uh, and uh, we we did a little tour together in 2004. Mm-hmm. I got a an email from a gal out in Los Angeles who wanted to know if I'd ever worked the Jazz Bakery out there, which is uh, Ruth Price's club. She's uh, Dave Grusin's. Uh, ex-wife, but yeah. she's also a singer. Yeah. And, uh, and I emailed her this gal back, and I said, I have no idea that I could even get my foot in the door there, but I know somebody who might be able to. So I called Mundell, because we'd worked some festivals together, and I said, do you know Ruth Price? And he said, oh, yeah, I know her really well. He said, why don't we do some dates together, and we'll come down the coast and end up in Los Angeles and then finish up at the Jazz Bakery. So that's what we did, and Started out in Bellingham, Washington, and worked all the way down through San Francisco and Carmel, and, and ended up at the Jazz Bakery. And we had so much fun together, spending two weeks in a van, you know, <laughs> and, uh, that we decided, well, we should we should document this somehow and put it put it on uh, on uh, tape and 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 record it. So about a year later, we got together in Nashville and did did the record, and we've been plugging that ever since and and doing some. States here and there, working the uh, WC Handy Festival down in Alabama every summer, and mm-hmm. 
went to Europe together a couple summers ago. That's fantastic. A little, a little here and a little there, but I've, I've taken taken it upon myself uh, to try my best to, to get Mundell out there. Not that he needs my help. He's, he's got wonderful players like Howard Alden and inviting him to, to uh, go to Europe and, and uh, come to New York and do, do gigs around. But I, I think he's, he's such a treasure that, that I want to get him out there as much as I can as, as, uh, as he's, he's still yeah. very healthy and energetic and, and uh, particularly in the college kind of situations. I think he's, he's a great resource for, for kids because of all his, yes. his association with his players. Yeah, that's fantastic. That one wonderful story. He's, he said he came home from the war, and uh, his brother said, you got to come over to the college there in Mississippi and hear this piano player. And so they went to the college and, and uh, walked down the hall, and he looked in the practice room, and there's a guy playing flute. And Mundell said, I thought you said he's a piano player. He said, oh, yeah, he is. So they walked in, and it was Bill Evans. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Mundell said he played piano beautifully, and he invited him when he, he said, if you, when you get out of school, you know, call him when you get to New York, and uh, if you come to New York. And, and so he said about a year later, he got a call from Bill, and he says, well, I'm here, and I've got some trio gigs. Would you like to do some gigs? And Mundell said, sure. He said, you know, a good bass player. And he, he said, Bill said, well, there's a new guy out in New Jersey. His name's Red Mitchell. <laughs> Gee. So the first Bill Evans trio was actually Mundello and Red Mitchell. Oh, Red my was, gosh. And, was, and so it was wonderful to hear this story and how the, wow. how the three of them had played. He said it lasted a little while till the promoter ran off with all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly typical, I suppose, of, of those kinds of endeavors. But, uh, but at least it, it gave me a real insight into into Bill's start in New York. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's a great story. Well, that's the kinds of things that are just kind of fall out of Mundell's mouth as we're driving down the road, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, just keep me completely enthralled in what he has to say. I bet. I mean, I, it sounds like he's had a, a wonderful life as a musician and just in general, you know, to to have had such a long life. I mean, what's he, 87 years old, you know, to have had such a long life and still be doing his thing and still making music. I mean, that's that's absolutely fantastic. And I would like to let people know that your website, the address is jimfergusonmusic.com. So I would really like to encourage our listeners to go to your website and just read all about you and to listen to some of your audio clips. They're just, they're fantastic. So you can get your CDs on cdbaby.com. Is that correct? The, the one with Mundell is on CD Baby. The others are uh, on a Dutch label, and they're available at most of the online websites. Okay. Uh, one is called Not Just Another Pretty Bass. That's my first record. Mm-hmm. The quartet record with uh, Chris Potter, the wonderful tenor player. And uh, and the second one as well is a quartet record with Chris. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's called Deep Summer Music. The title track is, is the, the old Willard Robeson standard about... Uh, the pastoral uh, home place. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. Well, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Jim Fergus. And I look forward to seeing you. And I hope hopefully we can make this thing happen. I'll get up there and get to meet some of the wonderful folks up that way. Well, I certainly hope so. We're going to work on it. And again, folks, go to jimfergusonmusic.com. Check him out. Check out his music. Uh, you're going to love it. Jim, thank you so very much for talking with me. Thank you, Greta. Take care.
good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.